So this was our second trip with uh, our, our grandchildren that were in. Um, <clears throat> we have four, four Chris and Laura's families in Gadsden with four, and Robert and Angelina have three. And the two boys, you can pray for them. They're, um, well, they got three boys. One's 11, and uh, Robert, and then David and Daniel are, I believe, if I say nine, they're 10. I think they're nine. And they have autism. So um, they don't speak yet. So you can pray that they will learn to speak. And so part of the move from Indianapolis to New York was to help them with their schooling and things. So the family ended up moving to, they've now taken Greenwich Village and broken it because there's so many people live in that area on the end of the island that they now call it West Village, East Village. They may even say South Village, you know, besides there's Soho, which is south of Houston, looks like to me Houston, but they say Houston. And there's Tribeca. All that stuff is on the lower end of the island. And, and so my goal always is like get on the right train, get off at the right stop. That's, that's that part. So, Lord, I ask you to, to uh, speak to us today. Thank you for the worship. Oh, thank you for the idea of worship and just the fact that you've invented song and music. And thank you for this, Lord. Uh, let us, in our communication with you and with each other today, may we touch your heart and may, may you touch us uh, and encourage us in who we are in you. And. I've, I've written things down, and then I, I, I don't know exactly where I want to go, what I want to do with you today. Last week, Brooke spoke on, um, basically on prophecy. It was mainly about prophecy, and he used Proverbs 29, 18, and he was using the uh, King James Version, I think. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, perish, the, the words for that, are uh, what that means is to loosen or to expose or to uncover. And there's a parallel to this thought in, you know, when Moses comes down from the mountain, you know, and, and Aaron says, I hear war. <laughs> His brother says, I hear a party going on. And because, well, it wasn't Aaron, that was Joshua. Joshua says, his sidekick, I, I hear war. You know, here's all this, this turmoil. And Moses says, I hear a party going on. Because Aaron had made the golden calf. Well, it talks about the people are unloosened. They are unbridled. Um, so, Lord, just, y'all forgive me if... Uh, Go ahead and forgive me now so, so that, that when we get there, because I'm going to jump all over the place. Cause, um, okay, so I don't know if you've been watching the news around here, but if you're planning on traveling like I was, you tend to notice things, and, and the news networks were all into, and still are, um, the stuff that's going on in the subways up there. Um, there, some of the people are saying, well, it's because there's people that really need to be men, have mental issues. Um, and if you saw the one guy that got on one side of the subway 
and picked him out a person standing on the other side and went for them like a football tackle, body slammed him, knocked him in front of a train. Of course, he died. And the other guy kind of went off with glee. So that was a few weeks ago. And things had, so when we went to help them move, um, I'm not trying to paint a dark picture here. I'm just trying to give you something, okay? So when they moved Labor Day weekend up there, they had just had their first couple of things happen within a week, two different instances on the subways. So when we got on the subway, because to me the subway up there is just like Gadsden, we got people talking to themselves walking down the street, we have our street people, we have people living indoor facing, same thing up there. And so uh, when we got on the subway though, I noticed some uh, young people, there was a young woman sitting across from us, she looked like she was in her 20s, she was very antsy about looking at everybody on the car when people would get on. It's just they were kind of sh shaken by this. Things have continued through the summer, not every week, but stuff happens. Uh, and when we were there, things had just happened. And so, uh, but New Yorkers, they kind of get over things pretty quickly. And, and in the overhead speaker system in the subway, it'll say, Please restrain from putting your headphones on and, and, and watching your phones. And the police are here, and we are surveying. Uh, we have regular, it didn't take that long to say it, but we, ha we have people here. And just stand back from the platforms, please. The New Yorkers were right back with their headphones, that totally head cover headphones, listening to, <laughs> listening to music or teaching or whatever they're listening to. They were just going out. This, they had gotten already used to stuff happening up there. Um, I think it's like y'all teaching on this last week about, about without a vision, the people perish. I would, they're without restraint. I, I, I think what I see as an outsider coming in from North Alabama and, and it, that New York is such a crossroads of the world now. I mean, it is... I heard all this different language everywhere you went, walking by, you could sit out on the steps and eating a taco, and this person is speaking French, these people have accents, these are from Korea, just a continual stream of people in the West Village. And I would say it gives you kind of an overview of America, of, of just America, of what's going on. And um, Patsy and I took... Um, we took our anniversary was on um, Monday the 23rd, and on Tuesday we went to the opera. Now we've not gone to the opera since our honeymoon, so we went to see a Puccini opera called Tosca, and uh, and so it's at the Metropolitan uh, Opera House um, in the Lincoln Center, and stuff's going on. Like you're, you're, you're getting off the subway and then you walk into this building that hosts 3,800 people and it has gold leaf on the ceiling and it is the most fabulous building that I've ever been in probably. It's fabulous because it's the, some of the, the best of the arts of hum, what humanity offers is these people's voices. They can sing such a range Puccini is a very good writer of opera music as well as 
telling Marie, but don't go there first or whoever. Maybe maybe I was telling Elizabeth. I said, yeah, but go, but, but go see La Boheme if it's the first, the first one of a Puccini. And uh, so we were sitting way up, almost near the ceiling, way up. <laughs> and the orchestra, there's a whole orchestra. This room is perfectly sound-shaped. I'll, I'll try to put up some pictures. I, I mean, you can go look it up, you know. And people were running up and down the aisle having their pictures made because they, they were just so happy that they were there. They like, you know, they do selfies and they ask people, other people to have their camera take their picture. And then, and then, the, then the operatic singers, people singing their parts come out. They sing such voices with a whole orchestra with fantastic sets, with fantastic lighting. And I've just gotten off the subway. I'm not trying to make this be a downer. We had left a few minutes early to, so we could go by their, uh, they have a place, what do you call it? Like a shop, like a store, an opera store, I don't know. The opera store. I didn't bring you an opera hat, so just, okay. So, um, things happen, accidents happen. There was a, a young man in his 20s trying to make the train. He got his book bag or, or, or piece of jacket caught in the train at 59th Street. We were going from where we were through 59th Street on up to Lincoln Center. It pulled him into the train, and he died. It was an accident. It wasn't I mean, someone doing something or pushing somebody. It was just an accident. A few minutes before we, we had arrived, and so it's it's saying this on the sub down in the subway, telling you that 59th Street, you know, you're going to have to take alternate stuff. And we talked to one of the people working the MTA, and we said, "Is that still stop? Uh, uh, are they still got the train stopped up there?" He said, "No, the trains are running now. It's just not caught up on the signage." So we're sitting in the subway, and it's going through the stations, and it, and it slows down to stop at 59th Street. And there's a number of police officers lined up outside, you know, because this has all just happened. A few people get on, a few people get off. We go on up to 66 to where the Lincoln Center is. Then we get out. I can't, I can't find language to tell you the visual. You know, you get out at the Lincoln Center and there's this gorgeous building with this gorgeous painting that's, that was done and was in, that's, that's in the Opera House with all these lights that look like stars. People have dressed up specially, even on a Monday night, to go, to the, to go there. I put a tie on, you know, with a jacket. I mean, I didn't have a jacket, but I had a dark coat on a war tie. Just, just to kind of blend in. But I've just gone through 59th Street Station. You know? So even as this, this celebration of what the arts can do, someone's lost their life in the path of us coming up here. So then, 
had that kind of stick with me, you know. And then we went to, uh, <clears throat> we're going to come home on Thursday. So on Wednesday, we didn't, the last time we talked about going to Ground Zero. Now, in 2004, we all called it Ground Zero. I don't know how many years we called it that, from 2001. But in 2004, if I said Ground Zero, we all knew we're talking about at the World Trade Center. And now they've got names for it. On the subway, it'll say, this exit, 9-11 Memorial, because they've changed it to a memorial name. That's fitting. So we went to the 9-11 Memorial. But the last time I had seen it, it had a chain-link fence around it. It was a big hole in the ground full of water and mud. They'd taken all the metal from the buildings were gone. But the, but the other skyscrapers around it had big tarps hanging down in case there was a piece that came off. And as you stood there, I happened to come up this time, when she and I came up to the area, just the way we walked up, here, here is the chain link fence, here's the big hole in the ground full of mud, and behind me is St. Paul's. St. Paul's Chapel is part of the Trinity Church there. St. Paul's Chapel is like 200 feet away from the building. Didn't break a single pane of glass out. There had been a big fire in the end down that way, like, uh, I don't know, 100 years before. And it had burned a number of buildings down near Wall Street and down, in, down on the lower end of the island, but St. Paul's made it through it. This little bitty chapel, God wants to be there. And if you go inside of it, they left the benches that the, the firefighters and everyone that had worked there still scraped. All the cut marks are left on the benches. And they had a great, base, a great baseball cap about it, but I couldn't buy it. I couldn't wear it because it said, never forget. So as we walked up to the edge of the memorial of the, of the, of the infinity pools, they made a pool, and you, if you've seen, you can find it online. They made a pool on the footprint of each of the towers, and water is continually running off a waterfall and then going down to the pool and then it has a goes deeper and goes under it and they and so all around the edge at about this height is a is metal where they've cut the names of the people who died in the towers in each tower and there was a rose a white rose someone had put in a person's name where we walked up and so you just naturally pray for somebody. I walk up and I put my fingers into the, into the letters of their name. And I pray for their family. And all these years later, it is just as reverent as it was the day that we walked up to the chain link fence in the mud. No one was talking this time. No one was talking 18 years ago. We, we have, there's a reverence there. There is an air full of prayer. You can, you can, it just, for it to be so many people walking by, it is just so still there. And that particular morning, um, the new building they built over a little ways, you know, 
and they, uh, what's it called? Um, Freedom Tower, and it's 1,776 feet to the top of it. You can go up there on it, but the light, you know, it has these triangular designs and the light's hitting it, and then it's going on up into a, a low cloud that day, and you can't even see the top. And it was glowing from the sun, and, and it just looks like, wow, like a modern-day Jacob's Ladder. It's just, it's just ascending into the clouds, and all these names of all these people from their family, you know, you, you just, uh, it was hard. There is no vision. The people perish. And then, Liz, you uh, listened to the, your dad's teaching and y'all talking. And, and you commented on that next line of that from Proverbs 29, 18. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And that is a great counter to talking. Uh, Brooke went on to talk about prophecy. And it, it is the two sides. The, it, it is the balancing. I came from the Baptist, uh, Southern Baptist when I met Wimber. And being, so, being as raised as a Baptist, we value Scripture. You know, almost all, I would say all the denominations value Scripture. The thing that, that I picked up from being around John Wimber was that the gifts are operative. Healing continues. Prophecy continues. Having a spiritual language, all this that's listed as things of the Spirit have not stopped. They have continued, but now we, we have those. We have them mentioned in the New Testament. Um, and John helped to bring about this, this reality. I want to go over, I'm just going to jump. To Ephesians chapter 4 for a minute. Now, you, you may be thinking, well, why is he talking about that trip? Because the trip was the other day, and this seems to like it all blends in my mind together. I, I am encouraged. I'm encouraged that Marie has it in her heart to, to speak on people's spiritual language and talk about that and teach that. I'm encouraged that Brooke, on his own, talked about prophecy and that, you know, we need to talk about all the different things. We need to share our wealth about how to pray for the sick and then pray for the sick. We, we all need to do this. Thang, you all you, hear me talk about Thang, the Burmese pastor that goes around uh, different Burmese community Christian uh, churches in America Thang's family is in Burma, and they have had a military coup over there. And the coup has not, um, from the t when you know, when they do something like that, usually they shut business and everything down, and they did, and business has opened back up, but schools have not. So Thang uh, wrote me this week and said, would we pray for him? He needs $7,000 to bring his family to the United States until things get back to normal in Burma. His kids can't go to school. So I told him I would. And while he and I were riding back and forth, one person pledged $1,500 toward it. And then three or four hours later, he wrote me and he says, 
I can take out a community loan for the rest of the money. I can get them here. So, Lord, would you bring Thang's family, his wife, his kids, to America safely from Burma? And will you, will you work within the culture there, whatever is going on in Burma? Will, will you bring peace? So there's Christianity just operating among Christians around the planet. That just and some of y'all know people, you know things going on. So, so Ephesians chapter four. Just we've seen it so many times. I'm just going to read down to this for a second. Therefore, I, the 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 prisoner of the Lord, New American Standard, Paul's writing to them at Ephesus. Um, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility, and gentleness with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Those are all those things, Liz, like the second part of, of Proverbs 29. You know, th those are all things that we need to keep going. doesn't matter if we have prophecy. If we don't have this other stuff going, then, then so what? You know? We, we can have prophetic words. We, can, we, we, we all can rattle off. Last week, some of y'all were mentioning names of different people that were doing prophecy still alive. You know, I've got one on a phone that read over me that's still active from years ago. And I also know of people that have been highly used in healing, and then they kind of, I don't know, just kind of get into a bunch of trouble for some reason. And then, you know, other people are making fun of the Christians because here's these famous healers that have gotten into a mess of trouble. But that doesn't change the fact that God doesn't heal. It just means that we as humans, we've got to walk with God every day. We've got to do all that other part. You know, we've got to not just have the vision. We've got to keep the law. We've got to keep the, be, the be good behaviors going of Christianity while we do things of the Spirit. He goes on, verse 4, there is one body, one body. There's only one church alive, and those that have gone before us or that are with the Lord, there is one body. And then he talks about there's one spirit, just as also you were called in, in one hope of your calling. And then talking about Jesus, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One, and then talks about our Father. One God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, that is quoting from the Old Testament, but it is a, that kind of references the... Uh, historical pattern of going to war in the time of the old testament and all those different battles you know if you went to battle and you won you got to take spoils home you got to take stuff that was left from the battle you first you lived through it and then you got to take stuff that you could use at your house or you could sell and this was just the way they did war 
And so when, when, you, when Paul's quoting this, we're, we're thinking about this. Since he, Jesus, has like won the battle, ascended on high, he, he, he has taken those that have been captive and led, made them free, and he's given gifts to men. He's, we have spiritual gifts, just like you're going to teach on. We have those because God wanted this to, for us to move by the Spirit. Does that make sense? Am I saying that in a way? So, so we, we, we go over this so many times we don't think about it. Okay, so Jesus has been the obedient son. Father has says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Then we go in, we, you know, be, before the cross, he's, he's, he's praying in the garden. He's taking the disciples with him. There he's asking, Father, if there's any way that this can be taken from me, take it. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He goes to the cross. Three hours of darkness. He becomes the lamb. Father can't look at that darkness. Is God the Father saying, I can't look upon him because he, uh, he has now become the sin bearer. He has become the lamb, you know. And so he dies, but he's three days later, he's raised from the dead. He's appeared off and on for 40 days. And then ascends in, in the clouds, and the angels are saying, why are you looking up? The same one who has ascended is going to come back. He is seated at the right hand of the Father at the place of authority on Pentecost. You know, he's told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Fifty days take place. The Spirit, the morning of Pentecost, is poured out. The windows are blown open. It looks like flames of fire are descending upon people. They all get, what would we say? I don't know, inebriated in the spirit to the point that people are saying, they're drunk. You know, and Peter becomes a spokesperson and says, they're not drunk as you suppose. That's what it looked like. They, they were high on the God. They were speaking in other languages, though. The crowd had come there for Pentecost but had run into these guys standing up here, and they, they said, how is this? There's like, what, 18 languages listed there? They're speaking praise of God in all these languages, and these are all guys from, like, Galilee. They're like fishermen and nobody. I mean, this is weird. This is strange. And then Peter becomes a spokesperson and, and quotes Joel. He says, this is that. This is what was spoken of, that your young men will dream dreams and your old, and your old men will see visions, you know, that God will pour out the Spirit. So now we live in a time that the Spirit has been poured out, but we don't have it happen every single time we meet. But you never know when He's not going to do something with one person or all of us. You know, it wasn't but just a few weeks ago, one day during, during the worship, that the Spirit came so heavily we didn't want to move. We all just, we all just were reverent. Nobody told us to be reverent. It's just God was here at such a level that that just seemed to be the way the Spirit wanted to honor Jesus, honor our Father, just wanted to come. So our, our thing is then to try to always discern in the moment, what do you want to do? Like, even right this minute, I'd like to be sensitive enough that he goes, that's enough. Let's, 
let's do this next. That he just stop, and we just stop what we're doing and do the next thing. I mean, we, we are the body. All of the Christians, I mean, we, we hope that we'll, we'll go do something. Um, you know, the, verse 11, he, he gave some, you know, this gifting of, of people uh, to do things. He gave some to be apostles, sent ones. Some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We're all moving that way. As a result, we're no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickiness of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Now, why would Paul say that except that people do this? The natural part of man gets involved in church, and whether they set out to do scheming or not, they are. And whether or not someone comes up with some new doctrinal craziness, they do occasionally. And, and we all have to go, we have to measure it by the, all of Scripture and go, this new thing that we're hearing and is drawing crowds to do it, or they've all done it on the Internet, something or another, or, or we see videos of something, is, is this possibly not God? Or is this God? Down through the years, we've had times when the Spirit pours out, and usually the last move of God makes fun of the current move of God because usually it doesn't look the same way. It has something. If something new starts today somewhere on the earth and we start hearing about it, and some of you go to it and then you report back, well, God was there. There was stuff happening. It was a little different. It's not like something I've ever seen or read about. Um, will we... Will we weigh things? This whole thing about Brooke talking about prophecy, you know, and, and he was using our history from here and the fact that in different periods of time we had so much of it going on and we were wading through it that we got kind of tired of wading through it back in some of those times, and that's what he w was talking about. But... Um, I guess it's like panhandling for go. You've got to get a bunch of rocks, you know, and a stream where there's gold nuggets to get you, find you one. You come home with one or two gold nuggets, that was worth a few hours' work, a few days' work, whatever it's worth. Um, we can't quit doing prophecy simply because uh, we have to wade through it, but we're told to, you know, to examine it. And that's just that one area of work. People praying for the sick need to be examined. Some of you have been in circles. I have. When, when people would uh, pray over someone and then declare that they were healed uh, with no evidence of being healed. Now, I have seen where you pray for someone. There is no physical evidence right that minute. 
I was telling Marie about that, about when Jan was alive and one of our guys, uh, we were having church at my house. You all heard that story. And Jan had started getting bronchitis and she was starting to run a, a mild fever. She was on the early stages of bronchitis and we were having church in the living room. And one of the guys says to his wife, I feel like I need to go over there and pray for Jan. So his wise wife said, well, then go over there. So the husband gets up, comes across the room. He's doing his best job of being a Christian. You know, uh, uh, Jan, can I pray for you? Sure. Uh, Lord, would you, you know, he's just going through it like I would do, any of us would do. It, didn't, it wasn't smooth. Would, 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 you, would you heal Jan? But then it got odd because the Spirit came on him, and he started, res over, you know, that respirating, like breathing, <laughs> like that. Yes, he's a friend. He doesn't act like this. You know, and he's, he's, he's doing that, and he's moving his arms both up and down for a few minutes. It seemed like a few minutes. Maybe it was two minutes. I don't know. It, you know, it was a couple of minutes. And then, and then it got back to kind of like him, pretty normal, sort of normal. You know, he was like shaking a little bit. He went back and sat down, and I kind of cut my eye off because I just want to see, like, what happened. And, and uh, when he left, he was still vibrating. His hands he was not back to stillness. Of course, me being the, the try to learn to be a vineyard pastor person, I said to Jan, how do you feel? And she said, uh, about the same. We went to bed. She got up well. When was she healed? When he walked over there? When he first thought of it, across the, heard it across the room? Was it the shaking? Was it the breathing? Was it him going by? I don't know. She got healed. God just tells us to pray for people. Our job is just to deliver the mail. It's not our mail. You know, it's God's mail. So if we think it's God's mail, we should do it. And if we miss it, well, at least they'll feel cared for. So all these things we see in the New Testament, uh, in the book of Acts and other things listed in Paul's writings through here, the Corinthians passage, the Ephesians passage, all, all these things give us kind of a framework of what possibly we need to learn to do. Now, the only way that I know that we learn to do it is practice and try it, which means failing at it and looking stupid sometimes. But we need to practice it. You've got to practice it somewhere. So this is a good place to practice it. So when y'all are over on the carpet and trying out things, you know, you say, well, I think I saw this or I heard that. And, and you, you're practicing it right there with people. So some of y'all get over there with them and practice stuff. Or I'll, I will, we'll practice anywhere. You know, it's not just on the carpet it happens. It can happen anywhere. It can happen, you might have to step out of line at Walmart because, you know, there's people behind you, but it could happen in Walmart. There's no safe place from the Spirit of God. He can show up anytime he wants to. looking for a verse I thought I wrote down. Oh. I 
quit with this. Okay. Psalms 139. Um, when y'all started singing, when y'all started singing, you were like on your second song. And I was minding my own business over there and trying to sing along with you. I mean, I was starting to. And I finally got instilled, didn't have any more chores to do. And then, then all of a sudden, just 139. Huh? 139. Well, to me, that means that's a psalm. I thought, ah, that's probably, what, what is that, the longest psalm in the Bible? I'm making this up, you know, whatever. I turned to 139, and I went, wow, God. Well, I needed to read that part of it. New American Standard. Oh, Lord, David is saying, you have searched me and have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too high. I cannot attain to it. The fact that the God of the universe knows me, knows everything I think, every place I go, all of it. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you're down there. If I take the wings of the dawn and if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well, and my frame is not hidden from you, and when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all, all, were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there were, was, was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You think that's real? You think he's just making that up? How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. God knows every one of us exactly where you're sitting right now. He knows in an hour from now exactly where you'll be. 
He knows you before you were born, and he will know when it's time to check you out. If I get in a fearful place in New York because my family's living there and I have to go every so often, I need to remember this, that right there on that subway seat, because stuff's kind of crazy right down here, he knows it. He knows I'm there. He knows when I get on the wrong train and I can't find the right place. I got off at the wrong stop. I got luggage. I got mine and Patsy's luggage, you know. It's heavy. I've gotten us off. We get out in the street. It's not the right place. We're in Queens. Queens is a worker where workers live. That's fine. But the sun is going down, and we've missed the next stop. So then we, we find a worker, and we said, hey, we got off too soon off the Q70. Well, walk down here to the block, go around the corner, go around on, on the other side. You get on going back to the, to the city. We do all that. We don't. Time's going along. We don't see a bus or Q70. We see other ones. We don't see that one. Finally, we walk down a few feet, and there's the Q70 sign. It happened to be crooked some truck had hit it and twisted it and you couldn't see that it was further down we got on the q70 and we took and we went two blocks and got in the right place and sent our grand 11 year old a note that yes we're in new york yes we just kind of we're running a little late we didn't want to tell him that we'd gotten in the wrong place you know so we got there showed up. He was waiting outside, sitting on his doorstep. David goes on and says at the end of that, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. That must be why my middle name's David. The anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. It's so sad that the Twin Towers were turned into a disaster. And it would be great if the whole country had a spiritual awakening like has happened in the history of America at different times. But right this minute, you and I, in that little circle where we stand, you and I need to be awake in our circle. And then we can be all like embers when we put them together in a fire until, you know, you, when, you, you, when you ever spread them out at home. And you decided, oh, yeah, I need to put them back on there because there's some more, some more meat or something to cook. And you push them all together. And they're first, they're just kind of white. And then pretty soon they're red and white. And pretty soon you hear that pop sound of flame because they're so hot that they, they reflame up. Pretty soon it's really hot. You and I make a good fire together. 
humility, we all need each other. And our country is just one country in the world. But this country, just like all the countries, need to walk with God. From Russia to Ukraine to everywhere. Lord, we don't know what the rest of this weekend is going to be like. We don't even know the next hour. But we thank you that you gave David this psalm. That you know us. You have all of our, na- our days numbered in that. You have a purpose. And we have a relationship with you, and you've called us unto yourself. May, may we hold you up this weekend. And may we practice the All Saints Day on November the 1st, on Tuesday. And may there be peace on All Hallows' Eve on Halloween this year. May the enemy not use it in glee. May, may you use that day for everything you want it to be. Protect all the families, the children, all the parties, all the everything that's going to go on tomorrow. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.